welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. It's strange, isn't it, that we are living in a, in a day and age where this is what we are required to do. And, you know, the, the, the significance of this is, you, you know how, firstly, it's, it's, it's also difficult to breathe right when you have it on for a long time, but it impedes you speaking and whenever you know I'm trying to listen to someone with a mask speaking I have to say excuse me excuse me you know unless they have like an internal mic like this then it makes it easier but you know as I the the more I ponder on that you know it's such an it's it's such you know I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way whether you believe it or not it's such a ploy of the enemy to try to silence us silence each one of us now that, it, that does not mean that I'm trying to say, okay, walk out there, don't wear your mask, don't, don't, don't bother to listen to what authorities are saying. No, that's not that. That's, that's not where, what I'm saying is, it, it's, it's totally not that at all. What I'm just trying to say is simply this, let's look further into what the enemy is trying to do. So how then can we counteract that? Whatever challenges that we are faced with, we are, we, we, our responsibility is to respond to that challenge and begin to see now, God, how can I navigate through this? What is it that you're going to give me and you're going to allow to come into my midst, right? We can't be like that third steward in the parable of the talent. And we're going to look at that to some extent. Where he goes and he begins to hide that. So as you are encouraged to speak life today. This is going to be a part one, part two message. And I, I just want to lay a bit, a bit of uh, Bible this morning. Just, I'm just going to go through stacks of scripture and just lay it down for you. We want to look at what Jesus, you know, when Jesus spoke, what, what happened and, and, and all of that. To lay that as a foundation. And next week, I'll, I'll bring in a little bit more of that coupled with some of what we call um, brain health information, neuroscience, or, or the science that, that talks about and confirms the very thing that Scripture says. And it'll really help us. You'll really begin to understand now why is it vital for us to begin to speak that out? Why is it important for us to begin to articulate that? Why is it important that, you know, in Romans it says, and if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart, then you are saved. Right? If you confess with your lips... The statement, the, the, the need to begin to speak it out, to speak it out. When you begin to speak it out, you hear it again in a different way when you begin to speak it out. So to, to, to sing it out, to begin to speak, to begin to pray aloud is also vital and, and, and necessary. Amen. So we want to look at, at uh, today's context on, on, on Speak Life. And uh, as I mentioned, it's, it's, a, it's a part one, part two message. Now, let me, let me put to you a couple of questions here. The first of it is this. Keys, you know, open doors. Amen? And keywords, they open minds. So, he gives you and I keys. And there are keywords that he says to begin to speak that will open up minds. And through minds, then our hearts are open. So, 
He wants to come into that space, into your heart. Because within your heart is where everything begins to lie. From out of the depth of your hearts, you and I begin to speak. So what's in the reservoir of our hearts this morning? Is it filled with hopelessness? Is it filled with fatigue? Is it filled with the sense of, oh gosh, when is this going to end? Not that it is wrong to ask that, but is that where you and I are going to camp? Because that's not where he wants us to. Amen. So the, the question before us, there are a couple of questions. Is this, what if your words can change the entire way you face and overcome your challenges? What if your words can actually do that? What if your words can change? Your entire way, you face and overcome your challenges. Your words, you know, what you speak. Not just what I speak. Not just what you heard Simon speak or CJ. We, spur, we speak words to encourage, but you are receiving that. It needs to become your word. Not mine, not hers, not Simon's. God's word cannot just remain God's word. It needs to remain your word. It needs to become you. It needs to become flesh in you. It needs to be incarnated, His Word. So that oneness, that sense of assimilation is a process in itself. What if your words actually create, create a, lot of, a lot of the circumstance that you find yourself in? Meaning the things that you say and you speak, they have actually created the circumstances that you find yourself in. What if it is that? Have you ever given that thought? And so if it is, then don't you think that your circumstances can change when your words begin to change? What will your script start to sound like if that's the case? Now, what will it sound like? Will you speak less or maybe speak a whole lot more, but possibly choose your words carefully? In other words, if your spoken word, right? If your spoken word is a currency you use to transact kingdom assignment. You know, as I was, as I was thinking of this, this, this message, it, 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 this, this statement was like this... This download, I felt the Lord was saying, hey, what if your spoken word is a currency you use to transact kingdom assignment? You know, because the kingdom has a particular language that the kingdom uses. We sang that song earlier, right? What will kingdom business, what will kingdom business look like to you? How well is the business of God's kingdom flourishing in your world, friends? How well? Is God's kingdom flourishing in your world, in my world? You know, and, and that word is this, this, this language. Are we speaking the language of faith? Are we speaking into the dry bones and causing there to come life? Because that's, the, that's his language. His language is never a language to curse. Unless if there is the sense of fruitfulness, which uh, fruitlessness, as you saw in the context of the fig tree, right? Now, I want us to look at the parable of, of uh, the talent, or the Passion Version calls it the parable of the financial steward, right? And 
if, if, you look, if you look at that, oops, there must be an issue that happened there, so forgive me for that. That is when his word overwhelms us, overwhelms the space that we are in. So I like that mistake that happened. So there is a particular space that, that, that we have in life, isn't it, that we feel we can contain. Now when his word comes, his word, his word, his word goes beyond the boundaries that we may, that we may set. So if you can see it, I'm going to read it anyway. In verse 14, it says this again. Heaven's kingdom is like a wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over to them. In verse 15, it says, before he left, hear this, before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another, a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and the third, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability. So to each, there was this sense of, of ability, right, that, that they had. Now in verse, in verse 16 through 18, it says this, the one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. And friends, what, what I want to say here is this. I want to liken this into us feeling hopeless. Now, hopelessness is just that. Hopelessness is when you and I begin to take what God has given you and us, what God has given us, what He's entrusted us with, and we go and we, we, we dig a hole and we begin to hide it. And you know what's that hole like? That hole, it comes across like this. Oh, I don't think God can take me through this. I don't think I can trust God for this. Oh, I've just lost my job. Oh, now I'm going to get, uh, you know, re retrenched. So what's my script going to be? What, what am I going to speak into that situation? Oh, I, I don't think, you, you know, I, 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 I don't think, I, I can't even find the words. I don't think it, I don't think I'm going to get this breakthrough. Oh, man, I've been having cancer for, for, for six months. I've been diagnosed with stage four. And it uh, looks like I've just got to accept this as my lot in life. No, as long as you and I have breath. In Job 14, it says this, when a tree is cut down, yet at the scent of water, it will begin to bud again. Right? At the scent of water. Now, the scent of water is hope. The scent of water is where you and I begin to sense that God is about to do something. And so He can do. If you speak life into your setting, don't you think there can come a change? Don't you think that it can be transformed. And why? Why do I say that? There are a stack of verses that I want to just bring before you. So he gives you 5,000 talents. He gives you 2,000 talents or 3,000 talents, and he gives you one. And when you go and hide that, what happens? Even, that, even the thing that he's given you would be taken away. And we've, ex we've, we've experienced this. In so many different circumstances in our own lives, right? But you've also experienced the fact that when you abide by the word of God, you find that there comes a doubling, a quadrupling, a tenfold, a fiftyfold, a hundredfold. Because you trust, because that is the currency. Faith is that currency of heaven, of the kingdom. Trust is the currency of God's kingdom, right? Speaking life, speaking into, you know, 
when, when I looked at Simon earlier and I said, Simon, hey, do you have a word? Can you, pro- can you prophesy? Um, and then, you know what? I looked at CJ. I said, CJ, do you have a, do you, do you have a word? Well, she was on the game. She said, mm, yep. And then she looked at Simon and said, Simon, I know you have a word. And I looked at him and I said, yes, I do. And it took us to encourage Simon to draw something out of him. Now, that's why fellowship is important. That's why connect group is important. That's why, you know, calling someone, the five by five that we introduced last week, call someone and say, hey, you've got something in you that maybe you've, you've dug it and you've, and you've buried that. But I want to come and help you dig it out. I want to come and help you draw that out. Now, that's speaking life. So, so we spoke life into that and he spoke life into all of you, into all of us rather. And that will resonate within us and that begins to shift and, 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 and change, that, change that setting that we may find ourselves in. We all have that ability to do that because we have the power of the living God that is resident inside of us. We have His Spirit inside of us. Hence why it says in Ephesians 3.20, Now He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Above all that we can think or even ask for. Why? According to the power that is at work within us. It is the power of the resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. So, let's look at a few passages of Scripture. Jesus now begins to heal the... the uh, heals, he, he heals leprosy. And in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 12 to 15, it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Right? So, look at the intent... The, the, in, the, uh, the, the severity of this. When... He saw Jesus. He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. But he said, and and he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left. The man, uh, then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses had commanded for your cleansing. Then the next is Jesus brings uh, the, the, her dead son back to life. So brings her dead son back to life in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Imagine a dead person. He's dead, completely dead, gone, kaput, died, died and, he's, and he's going to be buried. In this setting, he turns around and he says, don't cry. He looks at that hopeless situation and says, don't cry. And then he said this, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to walk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe, praising God. They were all filled. I mean... Imagine this. You go into a, you know, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a entourage, a funeral entourage just drives past you. And you're there and you're watching and suddenly you feel this, this sense in you to go and to raise that person. <laughs> I mean, most of us will say this. I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. Probably. Why? Because, Lord, that is impossible. It is impossible. Yet he says that the things 
that you will do greater things than I have because I go to the Father. He says that you and I can do that and even greater things. Now, what is he saying in that context? And you've heard me say this before that in a sense, Jesus was around for three years and he did all of this. We have way more time that he's given us. We can do a whole lot of, a whole lot of things whilst applying the currency of the kingdom of God. Not anyone else's currency, but it's, it's, the, it's, it's God's currency. Now, that has to become something that I'm accustomed to transact. When I go to a different country, I have to look at, you know, when I, when I, you know, I have to take, especially if I, if I go to the States, for instance, they're all the same size and they're all the same color, a dollar, five, ten, a hundred, they're all the same size. It's just that there are different presidents on top of it. So what do I have to do? I have to look at it a whole lot more intently in order to transact over there. But an American immediately looks at it. He knows what it is. So we, likewise, if we're familiar with God's economy and God's transaction, we can, it, it'll, it'll be second nature for us, that we will know it is the voice of God and that we will begin to, begin to act on it and we will enter into that space and see that kingdom business can be established. And when kingdom business is established, His kingdom is then further extended. So God uses you and I to begin to further extend His kingdom. What else does, does Jesus speak to and into what situation, what, what other situation does He speak into? He speaks into the storm. Imagine that. He raises a dead. He heals the leper. Now he begins to look at the storm. And he says this. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they went and got into the boat. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. So, so in, other, in other sense, I mean, there was a storm. And they were in great danger. And the disciples went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going down. We're going to drown. We're going to drown. And so he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And he looks at them and he says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Again, speaking to them about this, this, this currency. Why aren't you applying the currency that you've heard? That you know. Aren't you familiar with that as yes? Or have you left it? Have you lost it? It's like us losing our wallet and then going somewhere and trying to purchase something. What else? Jesus raises a young girl from the dead. Again. So while, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came to the house of Jairus. Right? The synagogue leader, your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. So he puts, it on, he puts it on Jairus. Firstly, get rid of the fear and believe. So he doesn't just say, don't fear. But he says, get rid of the fear, replace it by belief. So that's, 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 an, that's, that's why I'm using the, the, the term transact. 
Because there is a transaction that always will happen when God tells us something. We need to be transacting that because He tells us something at a time where we are in most need of needing to hear that. And, and, and so often we are in need of hearing it at a time where we're facing the greatest of challenges or a challenge or a difficulty. So you need to transact there. You need to begin. You and I need to begin to employ that, displace it, and then act. So you receive it. You displace it, and then you act. These are the things that need to be happening there in order for his kingdom, for his life, and, and the fruit of his kingdom to begin to penetrate and permeate the atmosphere that you and I in, that you and I find ourselves in. Amen? So the next thing, Jesus, and, and you find that she says, my child, get up. And her spirit returned. Again, he speaks and her spirit begins to return. And at once, she stood up, right? The next is that Jesus heals the deaf and mute man through, again, through command, just through speaking, right? Jesus heals the deaf and mute man through a command. The encounter was again followed by Jesus' command to remain quiet about what they had seen. But he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh, and he said, Be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly, so he could hear, and he could begin to speak. He was not silenced anymore. Hallelujah. You know, he says this, Speak to the mountain. What is your mountain this morning, friends? What is your mountain? What is my mountain? You know, what, what, what's, what's my mountain? I mean, my... I've got mountains in my own life. You know, there are mountains that I'm facing at this point in time. What do I do? Do I scale the mountain? I could do that. Or do I speak to the mountain? Sometimes we want to scale the mountain. And you know how hard it is to scale a mountain? And when we do, when you and I, when we scale a mountain, we get tired and after a while, we feel like giving up. But friends, he says, speak to the mountain. So when you speak to the mountain, something else happens. Because our, our strength and our ability does not come into play anymore. But it's the sheer sense of trusting God, believing, coming into the sense of knowing. Man, if his, if, if his love embraces me, if I'm assured of his love, I will be assured of stepping out. I'll be so assured of speaking out. I'll share a little bit more and you probably come to understand that. So in verse 23, it says this. Listen to the truth. To the truth, I speak to you. Whoever says to this mountain, be with great faith. Right? That's the key, with great faith. And does not doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea. He believes and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. So we're looking at, 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 at not this physical sense, but a mountain in your life, like a Goliath in your life. In Romans he says this, he calls the things, Paul says this, into existence in Romans 4.17. 
As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed that, that is God who gives life to the dead. And hear this. And calls into being things that do not exist. So likewise, you and I can speak into being negative things that potentially may not exist at this point in time, but we speak into that. Hence, if you go back to that question that I, I had asked you earlier, what if your words actually create a lot of the circumstances you find yourself in? Because probably you are and I, we are speaking Romans 4, 17. We are calling into existence failure. We're calling into existence disease. We're calling into an existence lack of provision. We're calling all of that into existence. But he says now that God is able to call into existence the things that are not as though they were. So imagine what you and I can do that we can speak into that set, setting. Speak life, speak life, speak into it and call that into existence. What is he challenging you to call into existence this morning, church? Friends, what is he inviting you into, right? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to close in a few minutes here, and I, and, and I was going to invite Nandi to come in live on an interview, but she hasn't been well, and so, you know, she, she's unable to join us live, but I put to her some questions as a, as a psychologist. And, and she sent me an email yesterday, and I'm going to read this, this out to you. But prior to that, I want to read you a very, very important passage of Scripture, which I feel this is where I'm leading everything into. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, the power of the tongue. So it puts it this way. The tongue has the power of life and death. The stakes are high. Your words can either speak life or your words can speak death. Our tongue can build others up or they can tear them down. An unchecked fire doubles in size every minute. An unchecked fire doubles in size every minute. You know, the Lord has given us and created us in such a way that actually our brain and our nervous system responds to actually what we say. Because our brain is, is, it, it is it, it's molded and it is, not, it is not rigid as such, but it is plastic. And that's why, you know, the health of our brain is, is vital as it impacts all of our physical being, the health of our brain. How healthy is our brain, right? Remember this. Here's another version of it. The words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. And the talkative person will reap the consequences. Right? What do we speak? What do we say? Remember this. As I think, so I feel. As I feel, so I do. And as I do, so I have. As I think, say it with me. As I think, so I feel. As I feel, so I do. As I do, so I have. Amen? So now, begin to remember that as I think. What are you thinking now? 
Because what you think, you're going to start to feel that. And when you begin to feel that, that is what that would lead you to do that. So if I begin to think that, and, you, and, and when you look at it, you may think, man, is, is that, it's such an easy, it seems such an easy equation. But it is. It is as easy as that, but it takes, it takes practice, friends. It takes meditating on his word. It takes you and I, you know, ensuring that we are um, going to inhibit the voice of the enemy from coming and taking roots in us, right? It's like, you know, whom are we giving space in our mind to come? You know, it's like we're giving rental space to these thoughts to come. Come, come in and, and just live here for a, for, a, for, for a few days. Maybe I'll just entertain this thought just for a short while. And then it becomes a week, it becomes a month, it becomes, you know, that's the, that's the pattern we, we have. These thoughts have taken permanent residency in our, in our minds. But we have the responsibility to begin to cast them out. Bring every thought captive. Amen? So the question that I asked uh, Nandi was this. In your field of work, if you haven't seen her, this is who Nandi is. Thank you, Nandi. And if you're watching us, I really want to appreciate you for just giving, giving a little bit of your time. Um, so Nandi, uh, Nandi is a, uh, uh, she's a practicing psychologist and she's got several other, several clients. And so I put this question to her. In your field of work, what percentage of clients would you say struggle to change their script or narrative, right? What percentage of your clients would you say struggle to change their script and narrative? Now, I would say that all my clients have at least one script narrative that's problematic. Sometimes the narrative is focused on a real-life challenge that's overwhelming them, and the narrative will be something like, I can't cope, or I can't control it, I can't change it, it's unfair. So this is, the narr- this, this, is the, this is the language, this is the term that we keep hearing. Maybe you might be one of that, you might be hearing that yourself, you might be rehearsing that yourself. So these narratives highlights the need for solution or acceptance of the lack of solutions. Let me say that again. These narratives highlight the need for solution or the acceptance of the lack of solutions. So sometimes the narrative is focused on past experiences and they are stuck with thoughts like, I can't trust anybody. Nobody loves me. Oh, he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. That must shift your and my mind this morning. You know, it must shift that into a place where, gosh, I know he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. The magnitude of his love. Imagine that. So, I'm, a, I'm such a failure. They're going to hurt me. So I'm not going to trust this, these, these people again. I'm, I'm not going to go there again because they're good. I'm, I'm going to get hurt now. Your next qu- and, 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 and so that situation now hinders and stops us from actually entering into a space or, he, or allowing what God is speaking to begin to permeate our, our very own lives. And so like that steward that took that talent, 
that the master has given. Now I've given you this. I've given you free will. What are you doing with your free will? Have you gone and dug it and just put it in there? Or are you doing something about it where you're going to employ your free will to speak what I now speak into your life? To speak the words that I have already given you. Right? Now, my next, my next question to her was, was this. How is that related to the brain? And what's one simple exercise that they can do to switch the old and switch on the new? And to switch on the new. So the question's up there. To switch on the new. And this is the response. God designed the brain to protect us. And it does it by holding important information about what's dangerous in the emergency brain where it's scanning our life every day, ready to warn us when something really dangerous is afoot. This becomes a problem when the emergency brain is full of information that is outdated. Wow. Or irrelevant or just too much leaving you overwhelmed or generalizing. Seeing all problems in new experiences. I just, I, I'm too overwhelmed to see now these, 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 these problems now in new experiences. This mostly happens when you've had a lot of stress, trauma, abuse, neglect in your life. So here are some helpful strategies. Whatever you do, slow the thoughts down through taking, sorry, through talking or writing so you can clearly see what you're working with. Thoughts are more like, I love this, air particles. They're real but difficult to manipulate. If you slow the particles down and it becomes a liquid or solid you can see it clearly and mold it into something. So these thoughts are all there. And that's why when the word of the Lord says, take every thought captive, bring it, slow it down. You know, it's like slow-mo. Slow your words. You know, it just becomes that slow thing. And then you capture it. And you see... This is what it's trying to do. This is what it's trying to do. You know, I remember the days when I used to work in the bank. And, and you know, you, you, you spot a counterfeit because you've seen the real so many times. And you know what the original looks like. That when a counterfeit is presented, immediately you pick it up. Right? And so, knowing the real voice of the Lord, knowing what His Word actually really says to you and I. Embracing that in this day and age, friends, this must be a daily activity. This must be something that we have to daily eat, daily, daily consume, daily consume, daily consume. You know, there are so many platforms. If you're tired of reading, listen to it, right? There are so many different platforms, that, that you and I can, can begin to allow this to assimilate into a space where it will help us begin to slow things 
down. Right? So you can see it clearly, and then you can mold it into something. Now, clients often realize how unhelpful their narratives are when they see it written on the whiteboard. Now, number one, check the narratives. narrative is relevant to the current situation. Meaning, so there are four steps here. Is this thought or belief really about how or about my past experiences? Is it about now or is it about the past experiences? Is this thought, belief really about now or about past experiences? The second, look for evidence to prove or challenge that narrative. So what's your, what's your, what will your evidence be? The evidence has to be the Word of God. Because that is the sure thing, that is the truth. And challenge that, challenge that narrative. Ask yourself, if there is more help, if there is a more helpful way of thinking about it, something that is closer to the truth, what would a really wise person say? The fourth aspect is this. What would you talk to a friend, or rather, would you talk to a dear friend the same way you're talking to yourself? Would you go to your friend and would you, you know, say the very same thing you're speaking to yourself, that you are an unworthy person, you don't deserve this, you don't that? Would you speak that to someone else? And that's a, that's a great test, you know. Let me end with this uh, story. CJ, if I could maybe get you up on keys, that would be wonderful. Right. There, there, was, there was a girl who was connecting with someone on, on the internet, on a, on a relationship, and this actually really happened. And unbeknownst to her, this person was her neighbor. And so, as she continued to um, interact over the internet, a neighbor then was sort of stalking her and began to began to connect with her over the internet, and and then eventually came to a place where he told her this that. I want to end this, you know, to the effect that, you know, it's, this, this is worthless and, and began to say negative things about her. You know, and, and as he began to, began to speak that to her, she allowed those thoughts that she was worthless to take a hold of her, eventually leading this young girl to take her life. And so she committed suicide. So you see, friends, words can kill. They can bless or they can curse. So when Proverbs says that, right? Proverbs 18 says is that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue Right, the tongue can be used as a weapon to harm and destroy 
or as a tool to build and to heal. What words have been spoken over you, friends, that's kind of burnt you? There have been kind words that have refreshed your soul. Have you heard anything today that would, that would in, in, in many ways, you know, come and really, really bless your heart, bless you in, in, in more ways than you, than you can imagine? What is it that you've heard or you're thinking of words that may have been spoken over you in such a negative way that it just just destroys, just continues to destroy and destroy. Friends, can I leave you with this, with this slide? You know, I love acronyms, so here's an acronym for BLESS. Building. Loving. E stands for encouraging. S stands for soothing. What soothing word can you begin to speak? And the other S is spirit-filled. You know, as you are being spirit-filled, you're, 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 you're spirit-filled this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Or you could, you know, these could be words. You could either bless or you could curse. You know, do you find yourself being fairly critical or saying something that is unwholesome? Ridiculing, maybe something sharp, maybe something evil. And now, friends, I, I, I honestly doubt that you will speak like that to others, but more often you speak that to yourself. You're very critical of yourself. You speak maybe something unwholesome to yourself. Maybe you, you, you ridicule or you say something really sharp and distasteful. Or something really evil about yourself. So what's your script like this morning? You know, what's your, what's, your, what's your script like? And I'll take this, I'll take this aspect of the spoken word and speaking life. Next week now, as I've, as I've laid this foundation of giving you, firstly, a principal verse in Proverbs 18. I shared with you this morning the many instances of Jesus speaking into the situation and seeing it really, really turn around. And then him telling us, hey guys, remember, I am giving you this authority. And you will begin to be able to do greater things than I have done. Because I now go to the Father. So he's come. He's destroyed the negativity. He's destroyed, he's defeated what the enemy tried to draw us into. He's defeated our desire for the context of knowing good and evil, knowledge. And he's destroyed that and he said, hey guys, come into this place of deep intimacy with me where when you know my love and when you experience this this, this real sense of relationship, this intimacy with me, 
what will come out of your mouth, what will come out of your heart will be the words that I speak to you. You know, so often we mimic, right? Kids mimic their parents. And so can you imagine us mimicking the Father? Our Heavenly Father. So what is the Heavenly Father speaking to you today? Just close your eyes right now and just begin to hear Him. Listen to His voice. Can I encourage us to, as, as, as we're doing that, I want us to sing. I'm going to ask CJ to lead us in a song that's just going to help us reframe, catch these thoughts, begin to reframe our mindset, begin to interrupt some of these thoughts that come to you that hinder, in, inhibit you from speaking what we know we should be speaking. You know, I really want to invite us into taking a real deep look. Because once Sunday is gone, there comes a Monday. There comes a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday. What happens during those days? How do you speak to your family? How do you speak to your loved ones? What can we say to our neighbors today? But it needs to start with, with you first. What are you speaking to yourself this morning?